Powers in the house. Welcome back. Glad to be here. Let's do it again. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's do it. So you're just back from practice, but before we get into the uh, the nuts of what we're going to get into, uh, why don't you remind the listeners where they can find us uh, on social media? Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on TikTok. Borderline Raptors. Follow me at Aaron Ben Rose on both those places. Subscribe and like to our podcast. And if you'd be so kind, if you like us, leave us a five star review and share us with your friends. Tell everyone that we are. I won't say the best Raptors podcast. We strive to be there, but one that's, of the best Raptors. That's right. Podcasts. Yeah. One. Oh, yeah. One of the top three for sure. Um, and you know what? Listen, if you want to go old school and reach the old guy, you can do that at, uh, using the Gmail account, borderlraptors at gmail.com. And we'll, uh, we'll take some thoughts, feedback, or questions. So, uh, yeah, find, find us, find us and talk about us. So there we go. All right. Listen, Aaron, we're going to run down a few things here today. It's, it's a, I think we're relatively, um, short on, uh, topics as we, ease our way into uh, or get ready for next week's sort of uh, launch of the season where there'll be lots to talk about, I'm sure. Uh, but today we're going to go through the last couple of uh, uh, preseason games. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit while well, we talk about the ball movement, some of the things we've seen on offense. Uh, Gary is going to be out there. We'll get, uh, oh, and then we, have to, we do have to definitely talk about uh, the Zach Lowe, which I don't know how many of our listeners would have seen this, but Zach Lowe came out with his annual league pass uh, review. Uh, and we'll tell you where he, he ranks the Raptors in uh, watchability from a league pass perspective. Uh, yeah, then we'll get into a couple other things and we'll have some um, what drives you crazy and some AOB. So there we go. So with that, with that, why don't you give me your, I don't know, give me a quick assessment. Uh, we'll, we'll break both games down a little bit, but why don't you give me your overall assessment of the last two uh, performances? Listen, the Raptors are 3-0 and at this point, going for 4-0, and and the vibes around this team are good. The ball movement looks much better. You know, the Raptors led the league in percentage of their shots taken last season with between three and six dribbles, 22% of their shots. I was doing a deep dive in this the other day. This year, I was watching some of those preseason games. There are entire possessions that once the ball gets set up in the half court, they don't dribble the ball three times total. You'll get a bounce pass and the ball might not hit the ground another two times. So really impressive ball movement. Now, part of that is you'll see an increased number of turnovers. And that's something the Raptors are going to have to work their way through as the season gets going. But we are going to talk about preseason and we are going to read into preseason. And I'll tell you what Dennis Schroeder said to me today when I asked him this. What can you take away from preseason? And he said, nothing at all. I'm paraphrasing there, but we are going to try our best to read into preseason. But the truth is, and I spoke to Thad Young about this the other day, it's so hard to take anything away from preseason. And as Thad said, it's not until you hit the 10 game mark of the season that you really know anything about these teams. That said, stick around because we got some more preseason talk uh, to hit you with. Yeah, I mean, but to that point, like, I agree. I mean, preseason is exactly that. Preseason, we're 3-0. and What does that mean? It means nothing. However, I am what from what I've seen so far, there are little things that I think could be premonitions to bigger things come the season. And I'm going to start with Scott, Scotty Barnes on that a little bit. Like, I don't know. Could he really be having a better preseason than he's had right now? Like, does it mean anything? I actually think it does mean something. I, I think there is, I've noticed something about him that he looks like he's ready to go. And I would say, if, you know, if someone said to me right now, is that guy going to make the jump this year? I would 100% say yes. How big of a jump? I, I don't think I can answer that just yet, but he looks good, don't you think? Yeah, and it's certainly, you know, 
better than the alternative. You know, you want to start the preseason and start the season on the right foot. And it looks like he's more involved. And you can just tell from talking to him that there's some enthusiasm with the way he's playing. And, and as I mentioned, you know, positivity around this team. When you look at the numbers, the box score stats, and of course, the fact that they played an NBL team probably skews those stats a little bit. That quite literally was not NBA caliber talent. Oh. But <laughs> uh, we should probably erase that game from our memories. But but when it comes to how Scotty's looked, uh, again, with the exception of some turnovers, and I think that's natural when you change up the system, uh, he's looked really, really good. And, and there's a lot of positivity to read into this preseason if you do want to read into it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. The, the NBL game, we, we, we probably should spend almost no time on that game because it was nothing more than, uh, you know, it sort of felt very Globetrotters, uh, Washington generals ish. Um, we played a lot of guys and even the guys, even the guys that you haven't seen much, you don't, you can't really get, you can't get a feel for, um, sort of what they contributed in a game like that. So I don't know what is even worth spending any time on it, but you know, there were 30 summers, there were 30 plus assists in that game. Uh, they were 30 assists in the uh, first game against the Kings, and they went down to 21, I think, assists against in the Chicago game. But the thing that caught me off guard with the Chicago game a little bit is that Chicago played their starters, their rotation guys, like almost 30 minutes each. Like that felt very much almost like a real uh, NBA game, whereas we didn't uh, go quite as uh, long with our starters and rotation guys. But like that was a that was a real sort of uh, test, if you will, on the road. I mean, again, it's we're, I don't want to put too much into a, a the preseason road game, but it was like, it just felt more real gamers. And I actually was pretty impressed with that. So why, why don't we jump to the Chicago game a little bit? Like I was pretty impressed. Any takeaways in that game in particular that you saw that, um, you know, anything noteworthy? Yeah, I would say Gary looked really good in the first half in terms of the ball movement we've been talking about is not a strength of Gary's. He's a guy that's not known for his passing ability whatsoever. And I think there were some incredible passes. He found Scotty once. I want to say he found maybe Chris Boucher another time, but he made a couple of really nice passes. Uh, maybe he found Pascal Siakam for an alley-oop that I'm thinking of. Just some stuff that you haven't really seen from him in the past. Now, on the flip side, we've talked about how this team is light on three-point shooting, and certainly in the first half, but basically the whole game, uh, there was almost no one with the exception of Gary who could make a three-point shot. And I think that that's still going to be an issue for this team. And as you mentioned, it was a game where the starters played uh, for both teams, frankly, you know, deep into the game. And we saw something that looked like a 10-man rotation until the very end for the Raptors. So I think we also know that uh, Malachi Flynn, who struggled 0 for 7, I think, in that game, at this point, seems to be the backup point guard. Uh, but but Pascal looked really good. Scotty looked really good. The rotation makes some sense. Gary, or excuse me, Grady, I think, seems to be on the fringes. But but that those top guys uh, certainly looked very good in that Chicago game. So I saw a clip, which was a little disappointing with Darko, about, uh, it was specifically around Malachi. It was a three or four minute clip of him just talking about how he feels uh, Malachi could be used. It was very definitive. It was not like, oh, we'll see where he fits. It was like, I, I think he is going to be in that rotation of eight or nine guys. Definitely the uh, the second primary ball handler, as far as I can tell. And I, I, I was thinking about like, what what has he seen in the league that, that we haven't seen in the last two years? I mean, obviously he's closer to it. I get it. But we've watched him now for, what, I think, three years. Two years for sure. This is his third year? This is his third year. Um Fourth year. So we've seen him for three years. Like the way that Darko was talking about him is that he felt like this guy is a legit rotational NBA player. And I was just sitting there going, I mean, okay, if you say so, but I, I have yet to see anything this preseason to suggest that he's, he's made any kind of jump or leap. He seems very much the same 
sort of player that he was the last three years. So I don't know. I mean, do you, am I, am I way off base on my assessment of, of, uh, Malachi not necessarily being a definitive rotation guy in the NBA? Like that seems like a, that seems like a big jump saying he's never been one. Yeah. I think when we look at the way the rotation has looked in all these games, he's been the first guy off the bench as the backup point guard. So he's certainly well ahead of, of uh, Jeff Dutton Jr. And at this point, it seems like he's a lock for uh, certainly a roster spot and, and, and it appears backup point guard spots. What is Darko seeing? Maybe he's seeing that Malachi bulked up because I think we all noticed that Malachi yeah. looks bigger this year. Uh, but but I can't tell you what he's seeing because as you mentioned, I'm not sure we're seeing it either. I guess the one thing is that this Raptors front office clearly likes Malachi and I'm not sure they're willing to cut bait on a first round pick. And I, we talked about this last week, but it seems like they still have faith in this guy and they want to give him one more chance before they decide, I guess, what are they going to do with him next summer? Are they going to extend him some sort of qualifying offer? Are they going to bring him back? Are they going to say this guy just either isn't an NBA player for us or isn't a rotation player for us and, and cut bait with him? But maybe this is just one more opportunity to prove he's an NBA guy because other than that, I, I don't really know what, what the Raptors are seeing from him right now. Yeah. And you know, when, as we get into next week's pod where we're going to do some uh, predictions, Malachi is definitely going to be on, on some of that stuff. So we can save that. But yeah, I, I'm just, I'm a little confounded by how they, uh, they continue to go back to the Malachi, the Malachi. Well, I, I just, I, I don't see it, but Hey, I guess this is one of those things where also if he is going to be in a, uh, uh, he's never been, he's never been in the rotation with any consistency. So maybe this is what they're trying is like, we'll give him 20 games. He's going to be off the bench the first 20 games getting sort of 17 to 22 minutes type. And, you know, I guess that's a, that, that's just his tryout, right? Maybe it's his chance to do it. So, uh, we'll see on him. So let's go back to Gary for a second because we had him down on the, on the, on the agenda as a six man. So our, uh, and it was your question. I mean, it wasn't a question, but are you suggesting that you like Gary in the six man role or are you surprised that he's still going to be in the six man role as opposed to a starter? A little bit of both. I think that he probably or is, he isn't thrilled with the fact that he's not a starter. Uh, he's been professional about it. He says, like, you know, I want to be a starter in the NBA. This is how I see myself, but I'm going to do whatever the team needs. Probably not the way that you want your contract year to go. But so far, he's looked really good off the bench. I think it leaves, as we've talked about, the starting unit a little short on shooting something we saw the other night against Chicago. But if he's, you mentioned Vinnie Johnson for, for a younger generation, it's probably totally. Lou Williams uh, yep. as that guy who comes off the bench and can be a guy who gets a ton of touches. And we talked about Gary's passing coming along, but he's not known for that. And if he can be sort of a primary high usage guy off the bench, I think that makes a ton of sense for him. He's, he, as I said, he's looked good in the preseason. Not sure what we can read for that. But frankly, he's looked good in the second half of last year when, when Yak came in and took his starting spot uh, and, and Gary moved to the bench. So yeah. I've sort of always seen him as a six man on a championship team, sort of that role. I don't see him as a starter in this league uh, on a championship team, at least not with what he's shown us so far. 100% agree. Uh, I think it's the right mentality to think that you're a starter. Right. But I think you also have to be able to accept and be comfortable with, uh, whatever that role is. If it's a six man role, he's a heat check guy. He's a total heat check guy. And if anything, we need him with the second unit because when you get deep into the second unit, there's not a lot of obvious scoring there. Right. And so I don't even know who you would swap him out with. I guess you'd swap him out with Dennis, right? With would be the guy if, if, uh, he was going to start, but Dennis on the second team, I mean, he's not, he's not a heat check guy. He's not an instant scoring kind of guy. So like, I think that's, it's the perfect role for him. Right. And I think, I, and I don't think it's one of those things where the Raps don't have room for him. I don't know that any teams would look at Gary and think, Oh yeah, we're going to plug him into the starting unit because he's going to, 
he's going to make that jump or he's going to be exponentially uh, more valuable to us with the first unit than he is the second unit. Like, yeah, everything about his game sort of suggests that six man, second unit, but six man with like could easily be closing games. It would not shock me at all if he's closing games. And uh, I think he probably should be. And to me, that's really the definition of, of, of who you are as a basketball player. That's if you're, who cares where you start, but if you're closing games, I mean, then that's, I mean, that, that's where you, that's where you want to be. And I, and I think he will be. And I actually, you know what? I think I owe Gary an apology from last week's pod, because I think I suggested that OG was our best three point shooter. I actually, it's probably Gary. Gary's probably our more consistent and true three point shooter than, uh, than, than OG. At least that's what I think. And certainly the preseason would suggest that. Yeah. Different types of three point shooters. Gary's more of a, you know, shake and bake can can hit some pull up threes, whereas OG is more stand in the corner. And and the Raptors talked about how they want him, uh, OG that is to take more above the break threes this season. So we haven't seen a ton of that. I feel like we saw maybe some of that against Chicago, but that's something the Raptors are hoping for from OG. But again, you know, you can't, you can't really build a team with only two reliable three point shooters. And I think that's going to be an issue with the Raptors half court offense is just, are they generating enough three point shooting this year? Uh, and you mentioned that closing lineup, and that was something I talked to Darko today about. Uh, we haven't seen Yak uh, with an illness the past couple of games, but in the past, you said, and you're right when you said Gary closes lineups for this team, closes games, excuse me, for this team in the lineup, because you can't really trust Yak with his you know, 54% or whatever it is, free throw shooting. So if you're behind or if you're ahead, the other team's just going to foul him, send him to the line and, you know, you win the possession battle that way, uh, just fouling Yak. And, you know, if the Raptors go one for two at the free throw line, the other team's benefiting. But it was basically made very clear to us today that the Raptors want Yak closing games. So I don't necessarily know how that's going to work. Maybe if they're losing they keep him in and if they're winning they don't and if it's close it doesn't make a ton of sense i think now darko talked about how it'll be matchup dependent maybe against one of those bigger teams you need yak in there but the fact that yak is just such a terrible free throw shooter i think really raises questions for him uh in the closing lineup uh for the raptors yeah and i guess we don't know yet if he's done anything in the offseason to address his free throw shooting which um i mean historically he's not been a great free throw shooter so it's unlikely that we're going to see him go from that 55 to 70% range which would make all the difference in the world but um but listen you know i i've been standing at practice the past couple of days uh, <laughs> when he's been around and i've been watching the free throw shooting and it's not at 70% we'll say that well jesus if it's not pure if it's not if it's not a pure 70% uh during the time when the media is watching. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a real problem for you. But listen, I, the only thing I can say about that is it makes no sense to me to think that he's going to be closed. But I also am watching uh, some of that, that Bulls game. Like we're still, uh, I'd say a weakness or a gap is that defensive rebounding, right? So I'm sure that's in that context of like, yeah, do I want a big on the floor that can rebound at the end of a game so we can uh, get a stop? Well, of course I do. But if it's, uh, the immediate liability on the other end of the court. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that buys you uh, anything. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. I mean, those are all things that are going to be very interesting to see how, how it plays out. But I mean, in that, you know, along those lines, I mean, there seems to be a bit of a, I don't want to say love fest. That might be too strong, but, uh, but I, I get the sense that Darko really likes Boucher. Yeah. And, and he started him now that was with Yak and, and Precious Achua out. Now, you talk about not having a center because Precious and, and Yak are out. And what does it look like the other night? Precious, or excuse me, Chris Boucher gets the start. 
but I think he played 12 minutes before 13. fouling out. Yeah. So that's yeah. why you need a big like Yak when you're going up against guys like Vucevic. Vucevic is not one of the NBA's best centers, uh, but but if you're going up against a guy with some size, you kind of want Yak, especially in the closing lineup, because totally. you need him. Otherwise, you're turning to a guy, guy like Chris Boucher, and we saw what that looked like last night. So, uh, you know, Darko spoke highly, with the exception of calling him skinny, which I thought was a... a, a funny joke from Darko who who tries to make one joke every press conference it seems but he called him skinny but he said he likes the energy and I think anytime you see Chris Boucher hit the floor he's not the most well-rounded he's not the perfect guy but he always brings the energy and you talk about guys who have learned to accept their role off the bench Chris Boucher is that guy yeah 100 and I think if he keeps that mindset and I mean I've, I've said it now for a couple of years like I think Boucher is a tip like is a classic anywhere from 12 to 18, maybe 20 minutes a game kind of guy in a rotation, depending on matchups, depending on the way the game goes. But yeah, he's a, he's a great guy to have come off the bench in certain spots. But I think at the moment you start relying on that, on that type of player to be a consistent contributor. Well, I think that's probably where you get your, your team into uh, a little bit of trouble. And I did, I did, I saw your cut uh, with the skinny comment and it was, it was funny. It was funny, but it was a bit of a nervous sort of like, laughter response for everybody like oh is boucher gonna like that so uh but no but i think darko's you know so listen quick assessment of darko like so far uh i got nothing to bitch about there like i i like him i think he's um i well he's been he's he's impressed me for whatever that's worth in the first two weeks that we've had you know really had access to him i don't know if you have any uh different opinions or thoughts but listen all all the players have have spoken really highly of him you know, I don't have any media takes that are going. I wish his practices were a little bit shorter so I could get in and oh, out of there long? quicker. <laughs> but other than that, uh, you know, these guys all seem to really like him. He, he's nice to us. He answers our questions. Uh, if he's going to make a joke, which, as I said, happens once a time, you know, once a media press conference, you know, the media is going to laugh and give you that pity laugh. It might not be the best joke, but know the room and you're going to get a laugh from us. So uh, no, nothing bad to say about Darko right now. Uh, long practice. Well, what's a long practice? Well, sometimes we just show up probably earlier than we need to be, but they tell us to be there at, you know, 1130. And, you know, today we probably didn't speak to the guys until closer to 130, but no complaining. I still get to oh, cover the yeah, Raptors. Oh, that's, that's not bad. Do. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Geez, you had me going like three, three, four hours. Type okay. That's not horrible. Yeah. Um, all right. Listen, oh, you know what? Should we, uh, I was going to, I was going to jump ahead to Zach, but let's, uh, well, last thing on, on the, on uh, Raptorsville, just give me your, give, give me your Siakam vibe. Right at the beginning of the opening press conference, we were sort of hard on him, thinking that he didn't have the great vibe. Anything changed? Is it better? Is it worse? Same uh, nondescript. What? Is, give me just give me your weekly Siakam vibe update. We're doing a, a Siakam. Uh, we are body language doctor yeah, once a week. Totally. Listen, you know he played really well against Chicago. Uh, I think he's going to be happy about that. Darko, of course, is only saying positive things now. You know, we talked about Darko and the positivity. I wonder what's going to happen when this team is, you know, halfway through the season and they lose three in a row. Is that going to change? And how is Pascal going to feel? It seems like all the vibes around everyone on this team are, are pretty much positive. I don't think we're back to Pascal from a few years ago when, you know, he was just emanating positivity. Uh, that will come if this team wins a bunch of games and maybe if he gets into a long-term deal, but I, I'm not so worried about Pascal right now. Okay. Listen, I'll take it. And we are, we're going to do a weekly Pascal, uh, Pascal update and, but no news on, on any contract with him yet. Nothing's moving on that front, right? That anyone knows about. Right. Okay. Um, all right. The last portion of this Raptor segment, we're going to go to our, uh, our listeners question. Uh, once again, listener Brock, um, 
our uh, our most consistent, I think, uh, member of the listening squad, uh, has a question. And it's actually, I think it's a good one. It's relevant. This is actually his best of the bunch so far. So here we go. Um, it's around uh, Grady Dick. And now I, now I got it. Oh, here we go. Question. By the end of the season, where do you see Dick's playing time? Kid has tools was Brock's comment. That's not the question, but that's his comment. He thinks the kid's got tools. Uh, where do you see it at the end of the season? Such a difficult question. Crystal ball. Crystal think- ball. I still think it's going to be probably like best case scenario in that like ninth man kind of role. Now, if the Raptors are true to playing nine or 10 guys every night, then he's going to get minutes. But I wouldn't be surprised if he started the season as sort of the 11th man in a 10 man rotation. It seems like he's already on the fringe. He was the 10th guy when the Raptors were playing 10 guys the other night against Chicago. And that was without uh, Precious Achua, without Yak and without Otto. And I have no idea how much faith this team has in Otto and how reliable he's going to be. But if you're talking about a guy who's going to be able to space the floor a little bit, Maybe Otto can do that. I'm a little skeptical. But And Jalen uh, McDaniels, it seems to be ahead of him in the rotation right now, ahead of Grady. So I think Grady, best case scenario, moves ahead of some of those guys. But we're still talking about a guy that's probably after Gary Trent Jr., probably after Chris Boucher, probably after Precious Achua. And now you're talking about sort of the ninth or tenth man, depending on how you see Malachi Flynn in the backup point guard spot. So uh, the Raptors have a little bit of depth, and those things can all change with injuries. But I think Grady's probably closer to the end of ten than he is to sort of seven, if that works. Well, okay, but by that rationale, I would argue that by the end of the season, I bet he's. Uh, I'm going to say he's closer to seven than he is ten by the end of the season. And I think under any scenario, even if the Raps um, are are playing well and maybe exceeding expectations for this year. My guess is that someone like a Malachi or an Otto Porter Jr. or a McDaniel, like those guys, I think one of the, or two of those guys are probably play themselves out of their current spot or thinking, right? I just think that's the natural, that happens all the time. Someone's a great preseason or coach giving a guy a shot and they ultimately play themselves out of that or an injury, that sort of thing. Or if the season's going not great and there's been movement at the deadline and we sort of uh, are in rebuild mode, well then Grady's going to move right up that. Uh, ladder and get. So my guess is that towards the end of the season, he is much more involved uh, one way or the other. And, you know, overall, I mean, I, I, he has, you're right. He hasn't a ton of time. I think 17 minutes each last two games. Um, so even against the, uh, uh, the generals, uh, he wasn't getting a ton of time, but he doesn't look, doesn't look at a place. Doesn't look out of place. I mean, there's some gaps and he's not big enough, strong enough, that sort of stuff, but he doesn't look out of place. Not something going, Oh shit, that guy is, uh, maybe came out of college too, too soon. Like I, I think he's, yeah, I, I'm so far. I'm cautiously optimistic for Grady. He just hasn't shot the way that I think people are expecting. Right. Now you can look at that and say, well, he's doing everything else at a pretty impressive level for a rookie, you know, late lottery pick. He seems to be able to defend. Okay. He makes some good passes. He's cutting well, moving well. He just hasn't shot. And if that's the one concern you have about the guy who's a shooter, maybe you're saying we're not worried about that because we know this guy can shoot. On the other side, if he's not shooting and he's kind of a shooter, then maybe you have some concerns. Again, we're not reading too much into preseason. No, we're not. But but you mentioned the idea that if the Raptors do pivot away from their older guys and maybe move some of those guys at the trade deadline because things aren't going well, well, then that totally changes the situation for Grady. And we could see Grady, you know, potentially moving into that six man, potentially a starter spot, depending on who's out and who comes in. 
Yeah, he shoots right. He shoots right up if any of that sort of stuff happens for sure. And he's and assuming he stays healthy, which with his NBA body right now, who knows? That's a big if too for him. Um, so we'll see. But relatively healthy at, at Kansas. Um, all right. I think. Listen, I'm going to close the loop on on Raptorville. If I think of uh, main stuff, I think we're good. I think we covered anything else. Anything else in your mind that something that anyone would be interested in? No, I think we're good. Looking forward to the season, and it seems like that's what everyone Coming. says. Wait till the season starts. Wait till ten games, and then we can really evaluate this team uh, once we once we hit that ten game mark. Yeah. Can I tell you? I just hate that they're playing the Timberwolves to open up. Why are they playing? And I, then back a, to back. I know. I know. I know. Uh, all right, but listen, let's get into the. Um, so for the listeners out there, Zach Lowe, big NBA guy, the Low Post podcast. He's on Bill Simmons' podcast all the time. Uh, is he? A, he's ESPN, right? He's ESPN. Yep. Yeah. So he, every year he does a watchability rankings on League Pass, League Pass, which is um, you know the all access NBA that you can watch any game anytime. Um, so he did his ranking this year from thirty to eleven was the opening uh, salvo, which I knew. I, listen, I didn't think we were going to crack the top ten as far as watchability, but. Uh, for those who didn't read the article, the Raptors, and by the way, I'll give Zach a ton of credit. Like that's a detailed sort of spin on every team. Like I thought it would be like a, you know, three to four sort of line. He goes a deep into each sort of, uh, multi, multi paragraph, uh, of each one. So, uh, the Raptors, uh, and do you want to, do you want to tell them where they, where they fell to this year? They fell to number last year. I think they were 22 or 23 in his range. Yeah. They're in the twenties last year. Yeah. This year they fell to 28. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the Raptors should even be in the top 15, maybe not even the top 20, but some of the teams he had ahead of Toronto, I'm just not sure they're more watchable, more exciting than the Toronto Raptors. Chicago, you come know, on. DeMar yeah. DeRozan's come on. a great player, the king of the mid-range. I don't know if you're watching a Chicago Bulls game over, you know, Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam in this Raptors. I don't know what the Utah Jazz have. I know they have a couple of young guys that are kind of interesting. Is Larry Markinen like really moving the needle? Like, you know, Larry Markinen's heating up. Are you tuning into that game when I send you that text message? And then the Brooklyn Nets. And for so long, or it seemed like for so long, the Brooklyn Nets were always in the mix. They had some interesting guys. And now like Mikhail Bridges is a really good three and D player. But if I told you like, a slightly better OG Ananobi was the best player on this Raptors team. You probably wouldn't be that interested in this Raptors team. So I'm again, not that the Raptors should be top 20, but maybe like 24, 25. That's probably where I'd had them. And he mentioned this and I'll give him credit. Zach Lowe. Jack Armstrong is one of the most yeah. entertaining broadcasters in the NBA. So anytime you have a chance to tune into a Raptors game and you can listen to Jack, maybe sing, maybe put on a show, hit you with a bonjour. You know, the Raptors got to get move up at least one spot for that. Yeah. So I agree with you on everything. the Brooklyn one. Actually, I would, I would maybe have a slight different take on the, on the Brooklyn one. Because I think there's something there with that team after the whole debacle of KD and, and, um, and Kyrie. But yeah, I felt like some of those teams they put ahead of us, like the ones you mentioned, uh, there were even Charlotte. Like, how is Charlotte more watchable than, than the Raptors this year? I mean, it's LaMelo. Because LaMelo is fun. But that's, yeah, but that's, that's a one-off. That's a one-off player. Like, I, and yeah, but your point on the jazz, like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, who else on that team could you remotely sit there and go, oh, they're fun to watch. Like I, I, I'd stop on that channel ahead of the Raptors like that, that, so if some of them didn't make any sense to me, but I will give Zach the benefit of the doubt because it, over the years, he has done a fairly good job of covering the Raptors and, and being knowledgeable and talking about them. So I don't think there's any sort of bias or unfamiliarity with them. It may actually be because he is familiar with them. And if we're taking the other side, we're taking Zach's side of the argument. I mean, do we have a guy that's 
uber exciting, like as a one-off that you want to see what, what they're getting up to on any given possession. Like, I mean, I know Siakam's considered a top 20-ish player, maybe 25, uh, but there's nothing about his game that I sit there and go, oh, I like, I can't wait to watch uh, what he's up to now. Like, so we don't, and we are missing that guy. Now, I think of someone like a Grady Dick ever caught fire because uh, he's a bit of a, a social media star, that sort of stuff. Like, I think if someone like that ever became, you know, a knockdown three-point shoot, like, we'd have some potential. But I, I do kind of understand why we're not overly exciting uh, to get to, to get worked up about. But I did think 28 was probably a little harsh. Probably a little, little harsh on that one. Yeah, and, and Scotty Barnes, you're looking at Scotty Barnes bounce yeah. back, which people are talking about, and that could be exciting. Then the other thing is, like, we have a first time, the Raptors have a first time head coach in Darko, and it's, they're totally changing things around here. And, and to me, that's interesting. How is this team going to look under a new head coach? changing things up a lot from their previous head coach and Nick Nurse and the way he ran things. So I can understand why if, you know, if you're a fan in Kansas City where you don't have a team, which team are you tuning into? The Raptors aren't number one on your list. They're right. probably not number 20 on your list, but they're pretty high up. He actually had uh, the Milwaukee Bucks number one on his list, which makes some sense. I, I might go with Jokic and, and Denver because I just think they're so entertaining, but you know, West Coast and tough to watch their games and stuff. And, and Dame Lillard and Giannis is going to be a ton of fun to watch this year. It is, but I'm still, I default to the, I still default to the Warriors. I think they're the most fun. Anytime you watch them, they just, you, you just, you're they were number two. Yeah. I mean, I, they're my number one every year until Steph uh, doesn't play I think, or until Steph really drops off. Like they are my number one because watching that guy is, it's, I mean, it, it just doesn't get any, like I will stay up late. Uh, on a given Friday night to sit there. Oh, they're like, they're on. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch. So he's got, he, yeah, he's got that fact. But yeah, I mean, can't argue with Milwaukee because obviously there's major intrigue with, with Dame. But I'll tell you what, I am skeptical of that, that relationship working, uh, to the way everyone, but we can, we can talk about that. I'm sure later in the season, but I don't love the Dame Giannis, uh, pairing. I think there's, I think it's fraught with potential issues, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they hold up defensively. Well, yeah, because Dame cannot guard anybody but i mean i think you're sitting there going if you blow by dame you guys still gotta deal with Giannis and brooks i mean i think that's kind of the bit of the philosophy but yeah that's it, it will be interesting and i you know i boston right now is the um is the betting favorite uh to win the to win the title and i, and I actually unfortunately as much as i hate boston i don't disagree with that and we're going to talk about this a little bit next week too but um would you would you agree with that that boston's sort of a reasonable uh betting favorite at the moment Sure. I, I, you know, the Denver Nuggets are still a really good basketball team and they didn't do anything to get worse this year. And Jamal Murray should be healthy for the whole season. So, you know, it's boring to pick the reigning champs, but they're still there and the Warriors are still really good. There's lots of good teams out there. We'll have to deep dive into it next week. We will. We definitely, we will, we'll, we'll do some deep dive in that for sure. And I agree with you. Like I love watching Denver because I like watching Jokic, but uh, I just think that West is so tough this year too. It's like, it might be whoever stays healthiest and you got to come out of the West and then deal with whoever comes out of the East. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, all right, listen, uh, our last bit of uh, Raptors talk here before we, we move on. Uh, you threw out the Adonis rap, the Adonis rap, the Drake. Um, Adonis um, is Drake's kid. And I had not seen it until you sent it to me. Uh, the kid threw think? out the, well, <laughs> I must admit, I thought it was cute the first 20 seconds. And then I thought, oh, this is really going, this is a full video. I, I had no idea. And then I was uh, wondering about the lyrics and I, 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 I sort of thought this is, this is plenty. I don't, I won't be rewatching it. Let's just put it that way. You're watching it, but good on him. Good on your dad's Drake. Sure. Throw, why not throw to uh, your own first 
rap video at five years old or whatever, whatever he is. So, uh, yeah, but I like the Grady, uh, the Grady piece to it. Uh, and just before you comment, like, I don't know, did you see the video this week of Grady going around all the, uh, all the, the Raptors and asking him questions about Drake and finishing Drake songs and lyrics? Like, that's the reason why I like Grady. Like, I think he is one of those guys. Teammates are going to love him. He's going to fit in. But yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole Drake Grady vibe, which has got to be a good. That might be watchability right there. If we get more Drake out, that could help us be watchable. Yeah, and, and Grady on TikTok, Grady on social media, it's all going to be fun. He just did a video with Uninterrupted at Holtz, putting on some like crazy clothes this year. Yeah. And, and it sounds like the story of that OVO, uh, the, the video was filmed at the OVO practice facility, and he just walked in, and Drake was there filming stuff. He's like, what's going on here? And Drake was like, come in this video like my son's shooting a freestyle so join us so grady was like all right like let's do it as you can imagine like goofy grady yeah of course being so he just sat down and was in like a couple cameo appearances with adonis who put on uh an interesting show i will just echo your statements that that it was um interesting for the first couple seconds and probably not a song i will be listening to again yeah and speaking of interesting i think if we uh find ourselves uh midway through the season talking about additional adonis rap videos that that's probably not a great sign for the for the raptors that probably means we're in we're in a whole world of <laughs> we're in a bad space when it comes to to talking about the raptors so let's hope this is the last adonis uh segment of of this year's pod uh all right with that i'm i think we're good like i'm gonna go uh now do you have a what drives you for this week are you um are you are you willing and able to go to what drives i would just say that whatever is going on with james harden and the 76ers oh. is kind of driving me crazy. Every day we get an update. Is he playing? Is he practicing? What's going on? Now, I guess as an outsider, I'm like, this sucks for Philly. And Nick Nurse is going to be in for just a terrible next few weeks and months. But if I was a Philly fan, this would be driving me mad. So I feel for Philly, the best fans, you know, so kind in Philadelphia. And now they're going through this. You have to feel for the 76ers fans right now. Well, let me tell you, the best thing that's happened to James Harden right now is the Philadelphia Phillies, because no one gives a shit about the Sixers right now. That place, the Phillies are all consuming for the Philadelphia sports fans, right? As they should, because it's awesome. Like uh, watching a home game uh, for the Phillies right now is perfect. So yeah, James, I think is being lost in the shuffle, except for the people who maybe cover the NBA and who really uh, give a shit about it. But uh, listen, just my spin on that, this is exactly what was going to happen, right? He doesn't show up to practice yesterday. Now they're not sure what's going on. Like, there's no way that he was just going to show up and play out the year and wait to be traded without it being, uh, you know, a big old drama thing. So my God, you know what? Anyone who trades for him, if anyone trades for him, they're idiots. Like I would immediately, if I was an owner and I found out, I just would immediately walk into my front office and be like, listen, we're going to make some changes here. Like what, what there's nothing that's going to happen. It's going to change. He's sabotaged multiple teams and you're just putting yourself in a situation where this guy might put on the fat suit a few weeks and you know, say, I'm not interested in playing for you or watch me like slowly dribble the ball. Listen, he's one of the most talented offensive players of all time when he tries really hard. But yeah. He also is a huge question mark in terms of availability and locker room presence. And I think in this preseason, just huge as well. I don't, I'm not sure he's in fighting shape at the moment. Uh, for the, for the uh, Sixers. So, all right, listen, for me, uh, it's a little off, off uh, sports topic here, but I am uh, currently uh, in Gibson's British Columbia. Um, my probably first and last pod from this part of the world, but was uh, out in Vancouver uh, for the Guns N' Roses concert. Um, so uh, we did that on Monday. So it's brought me out here and now I'm, I'm, I'm in Gibson's, but on the way out, 
I'm on Air Canada. I have not been in Air Canada proper. I've been Air Canada Rouge, but I've been on Air Canada proper in a long, long time. Don't, don't cost know. us an Air Canada sponsorship right now. Well, listen, I'm I, I'm actually helping them. I'm actually helping them in this situation. This, this is actually they, they might come to us with like, oh my gosh, we need we need more insight. Um, the pre video, which I never usually watch, but for whatever reason, my seatmate and I were were chatting, and then we're the pre video of like how you have to do everything and how you have to put your life preserver. Like, should there be an issue? Put your you know they're showing you how to put your life preserver, except. The person they have showing you how to put the life preserver on is this, I don't know, 72 year old dude in a rowboat on a lake, putting on the, the, in a very serene and scenic environment. And I'm like, wait a second. This does nothing for me. Should I have to throw this thing on in a chaotic, my plane has come down, but you've got some, some dude just having a great old time to slow. I'm like, how about Air Canada? Give me the real deal. Let me know what it's going to really be like. Should I actually have to put this thing on? Not some guy in a rowboat. Yeah, I just thought, <laughs> Ken, you got to be better than that. You got to give me the real deal. Uh, so yeah, any brand that does like anything doesn't give me sort of what's what's most likely to ha- or should it, this event happen? Yeah, drive me crazy. So so you want clips from like Castaway? On- yes. Yes, <laughs> the, the flight's going down. Here's what it'll feel like. I want shit flying from the overhead bins. I want people screaming, and then and then oh, this is how I do in this environment. That's how I get the the jack or the uh, life. Yes, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Like okay, I'd watch that. I'd watch that on loop actually. <laughs> so there you go. That, that was mine. That was that mine this week. Uh, all right, with that, listen, we're wrapping up here. What uh, AOB? Uh, we've talked this a couple times. So I'm gonna. Uh, I'll lead in if you got one. Great, but I'm gonna lead you into one with the. The much talked about lower level Scotiabank improvements that are have either started or going to come, or what's the so Scotiabank's going through a a, a reno, which I didn't even know they did it in uh, the two hundred level last year. Um, is that right? They did it in the two hundred level last year. Two hundred level next year. Oh, two hundred levels next year, and then when's the one hundred level? So, so the change is $350 million. And so far, it's mostly just the premium areas. It's the like 100 level 200. I don't know. The, the, the lounges and the boxes have all been renovated and really right. fancy. And for most people, that's not going to pertain to them, just to be frank. Right. At some point down the road, apparently they are going to change the seats in the lower bowl. So that's anytime any Raptors fans goes to the game at some point after 2024, they're going to change the seats. It sounds like they're going to do some maybe Jumbotron renovations. It Honestly, it, it was a little underwhelming if we're being frank here. It's, you know, decorative aesthetic things. It's not some wholesale change. There aren't more bathrooms, which was something we asked about. It's the oh. little changes, especially to the premium area, ultimately just to bring in more money, which is fair. I think they're ultimately going to increase ticket prices. And it's something that not a ton of fans are going to be like, wow, I showed up to Scotiabank Arena and it's totally different now. So don't so be gonna, on that. It's not going to get the Rogers uh, boost because everyone talked about yeah. Rogers, right? This year, everyone, and it, it looks better. Uh, I think it's a better, um, a better experience and in a, in a pretty good area to have for those are the people you want having maybe the better experience too, right? Uh, at that level. So, um, so we're not going to get that, which is actually kind of, it is underwhelming because I think the price tag for Rogers was about 350 million and you saw a major. So if you're telling me for 350 million, we're not even going to notice it. That is disappointing. Yeah. It, it's, it's certainly far from comparing it to, to the Rogers center renovations. All right. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Anything from you on AOB? I don't, I don't think I have much. 
No, and, and just to go back to what drives you as we're talking about the Roger oh, Center renovations, sure. apparently the Blue Jays threw out all those lower bowl seats and just threw them in the trash. I no, might have liked one of those blue seats. No eBay. They no shouldn't nothing. just be in a, Yeah, you could. I've never seen an organization like Rogers just give up an opportunity to make money. So sell those seats, but instead they're sitting at a junkyard somewhere. Oh my gosh, you think of all crazy. Yeah, absolutely. You think of all those. Like I remember when Fenway had their big redo, and when Yankee Stadium had their when they got revolting, they sold all that stuff. I mean, not that those seats, by the way, from. <laughs> Maybe the worst seats ever, but yeah, I would have taken, I, I absolutely would have bought one. Anybody with some sort of like Boar's Town or Man Cave, yeah, throw one of those in there for sure. Absolutely. Throw them out. Yeah. That's a, and, then, and then and then lower ticket prices or my Rogers yeah. bill. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, all right. Anything on, uh, anything else we need to know? And what do you got going on? What's, uh, are you, so you'll be at the game Wednesday. I unfortunately will not be at the game, but Kitch will be there. Uh, and he'll be back on the pod next week. Um, what else? Where, where can where can everybody find you? What do you got? You got any art? You got any big articles coming up? You got anything? Anything we should know about? No, just continuing. You know, Raptors coverage was at practice today. Got a game tomorrow, which we're going to get really excited about as it's the last preseason game. Apparently, the Raptors you the Raptors have apparently never had a perfect preseason record, so they will go for that tomorrow night. But then we start over and it's zero zero and I'm looking forward to real basketball coming up. So uh, we're going to I'm going to write some story that's going to tell you the big takeaways for this final preseason game. But ultimately, uh, I'm really looking forward to the start of the regular season coming up. Later and this month. remind everybody where they can find that's on Sports Illustrated. Is it SI.com or SI? SI.com slash NBA slash Raptors. So you'll find all my content there and then continue following both this show, Borderline Raptors and myself, Aaron Ben Rose on social media, uh, because that's how we're differentiating ourselves. That's right. And like this, trying to get into the top three Raptors podcast this year. Yeah, If we're not already there, if we're not, maybe it's top two. I don't know, but we might already be in top three. Um, All right. Yeah. And do follow us, do like us and please bring on your questions. Brock is getting, Brock is already struggling with coming up with uh, questions week after week. Uh, So let's, let's see if we can mix it up. Let's see if it mixed up. All right. Listen, Aaron, thank you. We will see you everybody back uh, Tuesday. We got two pods coming next week where we're going to do a a quick season preview with some uh, prognostications, uh, follow up with a quick recap of game one. Uh, So that's, that's coming up next week. So with that, Kawhi, take it away. Kawhi up top, looks at the clock, turns the corner for the win!